It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh, but look, they're so affordable and well-behaved. It's uh, the Luke and Pete Show. Pete Donaldson and Luke Mill would like to state, for the record, uh, that none of our subsidiary companies uh, employ slave labour or endorse it. Oh, just because you saw Hamilton, now you're an expert, are you? I've not seen Hamilton. Well, no, you haven't. Oh, no. I have. You, have you seen Hamilton, Luke? Tell us all about Hamilton. I saw it. It's good. Okay. I thought it was excellent. Yeah. I'd like to see it again. <laughs> Well, why don't we go together and we can sit in a box and have a little kiss kiss. Little you, can go, you can go down on me in a theatre like oh, Alanis Morissette. Ha- right. Alanis I can't Morissette. see how many seconds we are in because you haven't put the software up there. Does but... she speak eloquently? What and was that? And she have your baby? You sound like, um, you sound like a, a character from Sesame Street. <laughs> Alanis Morissette. I'm sure she'd make a really excellent mother. <laughs> <laughs> Kiss the love that you made Someone's had their vitamins I've not I've been I've had my hair cut um, Yeah Richard Spencer the man, again The man Richard have come for the RS Yeah Classic. Going there with a pitch big Radio Stakhanov Richard Spencer You take your poster Off the wall at home <laughs> Take it straight in this Don't guy. say anything And you just say You need to keep up With your alt right figures though I don't, I don't need the more recent ones Jordan than that. Peterson Is the new one He's a yeah. thoughtful Canadian But he's uh, not the same As like Richard Spencer He's Definitely on the same political uh, outlook. One but of the he just um, knows words. One of the um, the most pleasing videos I've ever seen was that guy punching Richard Spencer in the head. There's another really good one there. It looks like they're in kind of some kind of underpass, and there's a block <laughs> in a fucking leather jacket and my haircut uh, with one of those um, like a, a swastika band, like those red um, swastika bands. Well, yeah, um, like proper third right shit, and uh, and this. <laughs> This black guy just comes up to him and this guy puts his hands up to go, no, no, I don't mean bang, out like a light. It no is around. beautiful. No reasoning with these type of people, Peter. Oh, they no just smack him in the gob. Yeah, Lovely exactly. old job. Um, it's episode 156 of the Luke and Pete show. Yeah, um, baby. It's mm. Thursday the 4th of April. Mm. We're just, just warmed up a touch since yesterday. I was bloody freezing. I went to the football yesterday. Bloody cold it there was. There was sleet in the air. There was. Sleet is in the air. Every it's, time uh, you look around. It was really hot at the weekend and then it just sleet arrived. It's bloody, bloody Very weird. Absolutely lovely at the weekend. On Saturday, um, um, it Mother's was... Mother's Day for you. Yeah, so my mum's birthday on the Friday. Mm. And I've talked about this before. And then it was Mother's Day on the Sunday. And I went to see my mum. And we went to Porchester Castle. Did I tell you that? Right, okay. Porchester Castle's brilliant. Yeah, it's a real jewel in the south coast. That. I saw a picture of um, your good lady 
yeah. frolicking in her castle. Yes, it wasn't her castle, although <laughs> I think she would very much like it to be. It's been there since like the 11th century. It's so yeah. old. And of course, for Americans, it's, it's a massive thing because mm. you don't really get that much old stuff in the US. So um, I, I read once, I think it was Bill Bryson said, there's more, there were more 16th century buildings in one um, village in Yorkshire right. than there is in the whole of the United States. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's crazy. Why did they smash it all up? There must have been buildings. I think, well, because, I mean, it wasn't really properly... It was Native American Mint people before then, wasn't it? Yeah. That's they kicked probably it what. down. Uh, yeah. Kicked it down. Yeah. Um, I, by the way, one thing I did forget to tell you on Monday is that uh, when I took my mum for lunch on Sunday, sat on the table next to us mm. was um, Anthony Middleton from SAS Who Dares Wins. You know, a really handsome guy with the beard. No, literally not, not right. a clue. I, I don't like Bear Grylls. Sorry, I do like Bear Girls because I'm the voice of D-Max. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like Bravo 2-0. I don't like men who have delusions of um, territorial army. No, not a clue. Not a clue. Do you think he's handsome? I think he looks like... Um, who's the fella who plays the vice president um, and Batman? No idea. Oh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. He looks like a big Christian Bale. The vice president. With a beard. By the way, my mic's very loose, but I need to tighten it, really. I don't know how to do it. It keeps falling down again, so people are going to not going to be able to hear me properly. <clears throat> we need a screw. We need a toolkit in this house. Sorry, I just have it up like that, like Liam yeah. Gallagher does. It's no problem. <laughs> um, anyway, but isn't it funny when you go? I think it's because I was having dinner with my family, mm. and you see it, and you're a bit like, and you say to your mum and dad, "Oh, look, that's so and so," and your dad obviously goes, "Who?" <laughs> and yeah. Your mum gets really excited. It's quite interesting to see him. Graham it, Gooch once sat. To, I were at once um, went for dinner with mum and dad and an ex, and uh, Graham Gooch was sat on the uh, table behind us, and then. I said I'd like the scallops, and the um, uh, maitre d slash waiter said, "Do you mean scallops?" I was like, and "Get I, out!" And I was well, like, "I'm not frequenting this establishment like, ever again." If you're going to do that, my dad was furious. He doesn't like eating out at the best of times. No, he nearly flipped the table. It's a faff. Um, <laughs> it's a faff. But you know what? I think, and and this is brilliant. When you go to a really nice restaurant, which doesn't happen very often for me, but sometimes it does. It's a special treat. Mm. Taking my wife to Long Clume in the summer mm. for, for a birthday. It's a, two things I love. Right. Mm. One is that you don't they don't come over with the food and ask who's having what. They just know. Yes. So they put it down in front of you. Mm. You haven't got to worry about it because they obviously go that extra step. I'm for worried about it. No, oh, I'm worried about it. Because to me, that's important. Mm. You're, you're the waiting staff, okay? Yeah. You're expecting a tip at the end of this, which I'm happy to give you. <laughs> you should know this, right? You've got a notepad there. What are you writing down on it? You should know. And they always know in a really nice restaurant. And the second thing is, I think it's beyond rude, and this applies to waiting staff and other diners. Right. I think it's beyond rude to criticise any aspect of what someone else has ordered. So if someone, if, if you, you and I are having dinner, mm. and my dinner comes down, and you look at it and go, oh, that looks horrible, never say that. Who has ever said that? People say that all the time when Do you they? go out for like lunch and stuff, yeah. When I used to work at um, Sky... because you eat soil. At Sky. We, <laughs> yeah. Big bowl of soil, please. When, when, listen, you can, you can see me, I don't eat soil. Um, <laughs> when, we, when we used to work at Sky, we used to all go out for for lunch like a big team and a few of the people there very uncouth be like oh doesn't look very nice well, don't worry about it you worry it's about yourself it's a sky canteen man and the second thing is when waiting staff when you finish and you haven't eaten it all or whatever they say oh you know it's not like that don't be asking me <laughs> don't be asking me I'm paid for it it's nothing to do with you yeah. so it's nice when waiting staff at good restaurants are good I guess is my point and that saying that scallops thing is absolutely unacceptable yeah it is waiting staff it's a grouch show waiting staff in, uh, waiting staff <laughs> you took your dad in, to the grouch show yeah that's what I wanted him to see Graham Gooch in many ways he's the perfect guest because he's so dis- uninterested he won't be weird around celebrities 
I don't, I don't think it's celebrities going there anymore. Rich Hall. If you saw Rich Hall. It's, if you saw Rich if Hall. If your old be... man saw Rich Hall in the Groucho. My dad and me bonded over a, a great love of a oh, fellow with the dreadlocks. He used to do crank calls. Victor Lewis Smith, standard oh, yeah. uh, writer. The guy who famously um, in Private Eye slated The Office. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the thing about TV criticism. You don't know what's going to be a hit, so you just you sit yeah, there. But you, should have your, you should have your own opinion. But he did have his own opinion. Yeah. It was completely against the uh, prevailing wind, let's yeah. say. So, Victor um, Lewis Smith, go on, carry on. Um, I'd rather a million of those rather than sort of half-assed kind of like fence-sitting uh, reviews. I, I, like I think, I think reviews of things have got much more lenient and positive over the years. Uh, it cannot be a coincidence. There's more movies out there than ever before and every single one of them seems to be brilliant. Yeah, but then you go online and on Twitter and social media, everything has to be brilliant or terrible. There's Correct. No, there's no mid-ground. Correct. It feels like with, in the film industry now, every so often a film is sacrificed to the, the sort of the gods mm. of being shit, because mm. that's absolutely terrible, mm. and it's made out to be a lot worse than it actually is. And then, a lot and then every of, other film has been, is amazing. And then and then all the editorials come up going, well, actually, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> a retrospective, <laughs> yeah. Um, what, it, that, that's why there's no mid-sized um, blockbusters. Like you can't exactly you can't afford. Like, well, Netflix is kind of moving into that space, isn't it? Like uh, box yeah. sets have moved into that space. But then it's a little bit more disposable, I think. Netflix is like. It's just, there's always something else, isn't there? There's always something else that every conversation about Netflix goes like this. Have you seen the old Z? Oh, yeah, is it? Or the old yeah, Z? Right. No, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you seen the OA? No, I haven't. But have you seen fucking the Madeleine McCann documentary? No, I haven't seen that. Have you seen the, It's just a constant. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. Have you seen this? I mean, and it's just endless. You've just described the Luke and Pete show. <laughs> <laughs> tell, yeah, tell, the Victor Lu- just... tell the Victor Lewis Smith story. Uh, just said hello and, and, t- <laughs> and took a picture with him and said, Look, Dad, it's the guy we used to like. Is your dad tips. happy? Do you remember he was? Is he was? ever happy? Is he ever happy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he knows. Victor, he They're coming him. down to visit soon, aren't they? He's coming down by himself to watch Rich Hall. Of course. For one night only. And so, then call him back up again. <laughs> he could surely just watch him in Newcastle or Sunderland, though. I don't know why he can't. I think it's easier for. Actually, I think from Hartleyville, it's easier to get back to down to London and back than it is getting to Newcastle and back. How is that even possible? I think the trains have been striking for a while and also right. the trains are the trains are all converted buses. It takes, like, on a normal train. <laughs> well, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. The trains are converted the trains buses. How is that, how is that very possible? Very rural route. Rural route. Uh, the, the trains on the coast um, coming from Hartlepool up to Newcastle certainly were, um, in, the, in the first instance, converted um, kind of bus carriages effectively. Right. And they would convert, put basically rails on them. And right. the design right. has maintained. So when you think of a train, you think of um, an engine and you think of, <laughs> of like three or four carriages. Yeah. At bare minimum. With uh, the Hartlepool to Newcastle branch, one carriage, and it's got the train built in. So you've got a train with the carriage built in, basically. So it's a bus on track. <laughs> yeah, it's so basically. weird. It's so weird. Is it good? No, it's really slow. On a normal train, it would take half an hour to get to, Hart- uh, to Newcastle. And what does Hartlepool. it take there? It takes 50 minutes. It's Bloody a joke. Hell. It's right. a joke. And there's one every hour. Are you going to bring Stuart down here and show him the studio? No, why would he want He should, man. What is it? Thursday. He won't get here. And he, might... he could pop up, maybe. Yeah, you should do. We should see my life's work, where I spend most of my time yeah. in an airless room but with a we got, man um, who looks like Orts. We got Larry, my father-in-law, to come in and record some lines. You never used them. Well, I forgot. We've, and you, you, and, and you remind him of it now. I haven't got anything to write on. Yeah, this is the listen, listeners. This is the story of my life, Pete. I haven't got anything to write on. Yeah, you like exactly. Michael and Alan Partridge. I've got a spoon I've in the bathroom, no, but I've got no cause to I've use got, it. I've got. No cause you haven't to use got a, a spoon. It's like fifty pens out there. We'll talk about this later. Um, <laughs> it's International Carrot Day today. You have by the way, access to an editing suite, I do. so you could do it yourself. Um, it's International carrots. Carrot Day today. 
Um, where's this come from? <laughs> People are just encouraged to make recipes with carrots, eat carrots, and hold carrot parties, whatever that means. That sounds filthy. What are you thinking? I'm carrot thinking a bum. snowman um, doing, a, doing a, a um, like a snowman-based human caterpillar. Okay. That's just one his step nose ahead of... up his bum. Just nose up every other snowman's bum. Do you like carrots? <laughs> if you ate more of them, would you be healthier? That would be the, that would be the catchphrase in the film before he penetrates. Do you like carrots? Do you like carrots? <laughs> this will make you see in the dark. <laughs> it won't because you put it on my anus. Yeah, you could make you sniff in the dark. Carrot enema. Yeah. If there's no air movement, could you? Presumably, you couldn't. If you shoved, if you were a snowman and you shoved your snowman nose up another snowman, and bearing in mind. In this world, the snowmans do poops um, up their bum. Um, you wouldn't, because there's no movement of air. I don't think you'd be able to smell anything. Their, their poops would just be snow, though, right? So, like, it'd be like that. You wouldn't be able to smell anything. It'd just be snow, right? Yeah, but it would be like to the snowmen, it would be disgusting because the snowmen would still excrete filth that would be unpleasant to the nose, the carrot nose. But then you would you have the overwhelming smell of carrots. And to be honest, if parts of your body are made of carrots, you're, you're probably quite regular with your poopies. <laughs> How many podcasts have we recorded this week? <laughs> we did four, five, six on Monday. We did si- we did six podcasts on Monday. We did four on Tuesday. You did six on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah, I did. And this is where we've got to. Two today. Shall we just stop? No, we just... <laughs> no. We can't stop, Pete. We're like a shark. <laughs> we'll die otherwise. I thought you were going to press a button then. I am going to press a button. All right, go for just, it. All I've got is, uh, yeah, all I've got is this nonsense. Here we go. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
No, um, nowhere to go with that guy. He's gone too high. In a similar Happy vein, current day, everyone. In a similar vein to our our creative genius, Carotive. Carat, someone who is very much in our bracket of creative genius. What's in a snowman's body? The, cor- the carotid artery. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, don't stop. Carry okay. on. How do you kill a snowman? Nick is carotid, carotid artery. Yeah, slice across his car- carotid artery. <laughs> you got to say carotid, otherwise it's just carotid. It's or same. grab all of his scarf and carot him. Yeah, yeah, that works as well. Yeah, <laughs> that works as well. Right. Um, I was going to say in the same creative genius bracket as you and I, Pete, mm. particularly you. Mm. Um, it's twenty-five years ago tomorrow that Kurt, Kurt Cobain. Cobain died. Did you know that already? I did know that because Absolute Radio Nighters are doing a. Are they really? Uh, a, a song an hour. Fascinating. Do you remember when you, where you were when you heard that he died? I don't because I think, so I was 13. I think I was one of those who, I really liked music as a kid, mm. but at 13, I was more Guns N' Roses, mm. Metallica, oh, and okay. straight kind of pop stuff. Right. And then I think I was one of those annoying people that when he died, mm. I then was like, oh, fucking hell. I, I, I vaguely heard of Nirvana. And I'll, I'll give him a go. And I yeah. really like them. So I don't think I really liked them until he died. Mm. Um, but then, then having said that, no, I think I don't think I did because the first album of theirs I got was the MTV Unplugged in New York, which for me is is probably the album of theirs I enjoy the most and is one of the greatest live albums of all time, in my opinion. Um, so I don't think I got into until a bit later on. How about you? Uh, probably the same, to be honest. I remember where I was when he, di- when he died and yeah. I remember sort of owning a couple of singles and it was probably just you know all apologies and um come as you are because i was learning to play the guitar and they're quite easy it smells like teen spirit yeah it wasn't a bit uh, too, oh, commercial, I, I, too commercial man i knew i knew <laughs> smell like teen spirit of course i knew that song yeah and and i think um my memory of him dying was when i was at school mm. and there were a load of people who were obviously upset about it because they were like the disenfranchised well, well it's disenfranchised you can get in like that part of the world <laughs> and upset and it's kind of alternative mm. and then you know what happens at school particularly with I mean it seems to be particularly with girls like everything just becomes really mawkish and people want to be seen to be upset about stuff right and it just sort of spread around the school like wildfire and I think like at that Rod point Hull. huh like Rod exactly Hull, when Rod Hull died absolutely I remember Rod exactly Hull, yeah. where I was when I found that out yeah and and I think if you at that point if you had gone up to the people and done like a Tim Lovejoy on them and said like what's your favourite song or whatever mm. no, I don't have anything but about to say anything other than smells like Teen Spirit yeah but you're kids aren't you you you, you, you back then you have to be um you want to you want to belong being Stop a child kids being a child is not an excuse for evil <laughs> you couldn't pay me if someone gave me a million pounds to go back there ugh I didn't even have that bad a kind of school life I no, quite either. enjoyed school I I you know I had mates I had fun times but. Oh God! Not knowing who you are, what you are—just this kind of like weird little difficult worm. Sort I th- of I going, do, I do, oh, I've got, to, I've got to be like everyone else, man. I do look back on just want people not who notice me. I had it really tough at school, mm. and think now that's awful mm. because for me, I didn't, I didn't particularly have it tough, and I didn't really get that involved. Yeah. I wasn't the same sort of. I wasn't as um, gregarious as I am now. Mm. Then um, I was obviously I was quite an awkward kid. But I kind of just stayed out of the way, mm. and I had like a foot in like different camps because I quite liked music, but I also played a bit of football. Yeah, and I wasn't a massive cool guy, but I wasn't a complete nerd. I was kind of in the middle. Taller, you, you probably could handle yourself. That's I, the thing. I, kind of, I, I couldn't. I was an absolute string bean, and I had terrible hair and massive buck teeth. So I think people just didn't really. People don't certainly didn't see me in that way. Mm. But I was able to almost like hide in plain sight. Really, I had like a small group of friends, mm. and that was really it. But there are people who had had it really difficult. And I remember seeing something fairly recently on Facebook. There was some sort of school reunion. I didn't, I didn't go, but um, 
and there was a Facebook group set up about it, and there was someone on there who um, just was just doing post after post after post about how much they hated school, how much they got bullied, and all that. it's really awful to read mm. it. And um, I didn't really know that person that well, but at the same time, it's kind of a bit like at the time you're quite oblivious to that. And 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 <clears throat> well, or getting involved. <laughs> well, well, one of the one thing one thing did happen at school. Um, which came out a bit later on when I was about 17 or 18. I remember I went to a sixth form college um, down the road from where my school was. The school didn't have a sixth form college. So when we were at 16, we had to leave Mm -hmm. our school and go to sixth form for another two years. And for those who are listening who aren't in the UK, at that time, you didn't go to school till you're 18. You had an option from 16. And I went to college to do A-levels. So I had to walk a different way. And when I walked a different way one day, I was walking down towards the college, opposite the college where all these um, councillors, it was a councillor state and everything. Just a, a couple of tower blocks, and there was a lot of police there. I was like, "That's mad." Um, you never really see anything like that around. Mm. I mean, you do see police. I mean, there's crime and stuff. Mm. It's quite a rough place, but you wouldn't see like a massive operation like that very yeah. often. Anyway, to cut a long story short, came out that my one of my closest friends at school, um, who was expelled from school like year eight or year nine for being mm. naughty all the time, basically, and I sort of lost touch with the guy. Mm. So that was about fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, at sixteen, he. Um, he murdered his stepdad. Right. Because he, all through school, he was being like physically abused, mm. beaten, um, treated, like really badly mistreated. And he kind of fell through the net in this, in, in, in this sort of um, child protection sort of system. Yeah. And one day just snapped and killed his stepdad. And um, as far as I'm aware, I think he's still in a secure hospital slash prison now. Mm. And the reason that really hit home for me, it's not about me, but just as an, as an example, um, because I was, as a kid, I was completely oblivious. So I would just completely take for granted that every morning I'd wake up, my mum would have made me a packed lunch. Mm. She would have pushed me on my way. She would largely have been there when I got home. My parents cared about me. Mm. And I would be put in this class with all these people from all these different types of backgrounds near where I grew up. And some of them, for example, this guy, just had the most unimaginably bad childhood ever. It's no coincidence, obviously, that he was expelled from school partly because of that. Mm. And you're oblivious as a kid, aren't you? Because you're so self-obsessed. Yeah, right? but then you sort of mix in like we. You forget how. Um, well, you don't forget like you. You know what? Um, what a privilege got a background having. Um, parents a, who a, care a about relatively you. well. Yeah, or, or parents who have the finances and the resources to care about you. Some people don't have that luxury where they don't have the time, they don't have the money, they don't have, they're working three jobs, they don't have the time to kind of invest in them, they don't have time to make pack lunches, and you got to kind of fend for yourself. People don't yeah. always have that, so. Yeah, and and you're all put into this big old pot at school, you are. and just kind of you absolutely are. That's and, right. And your values and um, what has moulded you up to that point is kind of um, challenged at every 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 step step of the of the way, and it's uh, yeah. And for me, it was kind of a double edged sword because I didn't get the, the education I wanted. Uh, looking back on it, because the school was quite rough, but at the same time, it did tre- teach me that to be really hardworking and to be a bit quite robust. And I think if you went to a really nice school, mm. a public fee-paying school, fee-paying school, and that kind of stuff, maybe you wouldn't be that prepared for this sort of bad world out there. Yeah, <clears> I wish I. Yeah, I went to quite a nice school, and I think I wish I uh, was. I wish I'd been taught that, uh, to be a little bit more robust. I might have been a better performer at this point because I yeah. didn't really start doing anything. Until yeah, I was I've like been very disappointed. I've been very disappointed with you actually. I know. I've yeah. let everyone down. Um, let's do some emails. I, wa- I wanted to be better at uh, the carrot up the arse chat. Earlier on, no, you're very good at that. I think that was a creative high point. And interesting, yeah, for both of us. Mm. And I'm just a, I'm really a passenger in this show anyway, just trying <laughs> to make you say something funny. Uh, let's do emails. All right, it's um, hello at lukeandpeacher.com, of course, for people who want to get in touch. I've got um, 
one I really want to do here. Well, I, I haven't got uh, an email. I've just got a couple of things that um, I want okay. to put in Mencarta, but I mean... Um, well, should, what do you want to do first? Do you want to do Mencarta? Do, do, no, or... do, some, do some emails because I've okay. shot them in Mencarta. So a man describes his vasectomy procedure in detail and, oh God, has our life really come to this? Yes, it has. <laughs> this is from Grant and he's from your neck of the woods, Pete. Uh, Gateshead, hell. apparently. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Gateshead. Not, Gateshead not are in all kinds of trouble with uh, the football team. Are they? Actually, yeah. Sad to see it. They'll mm. get a lift when we go up there with the Ramble. <laughs> yes, um, they and will. perform there. <laughs> um, it's funny because when we did the Ramble live show up there at Newcastle before, it was brilliant. Mm. And um, I'm still quite friendly with a couple of guys we met on that show. Mm-hmm. And they're coming again. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I bumped into one of them at Borough Market the other day. Uh, anyway. Grant says, I know this was mentioned on the Football Ramble, which is obviously one of our sister shows, but I'm also sending it to the Luke and Pete show. I think it might suit your show better. In 2012, I had both a vasectomy and an operation on my ingrowing toenail. A tosectomy. And the, and the operations were just four months apart. A lot of people are surprised when I say that the most painful operation was without doubt the toenail operation. Mm. Also, I didn't even have the whole toenail removed, only a small slither on the side. The vasectomy operation itself wasn't that painful at all. It requires two injections, one in each testicle. Uh, the first <laughs> oh, injection hurt a oh. tiny bit, but that was it. Ooh. This is the worst bit. Lidocaine, baby. You can feel a lot of pulling and tugging. Oh, stop it! <laughs> Fuck off. I wear tight trousers, you cunt. Sorry. <laughs> but no pain. Oh, good God. Mind, when the fluid from the injections entered the ball sack, it was a very strange sensation. <laughs> What about the pulling and tugging inside there? Yeah, I don't need that. No. Don't need that. In the aftermath of the operations, although the pain from the vasectomy lasted a bit longer, the pain from the toenail was far more severe. The vasectomy pain was kind of a dull ache. The pain from the toenail was a constant, sharp, stinging pain. So my advice... Chisel it off. I I can understand exactly why that would be more painful. Chisel it off. Grant says, my advice to any man contemplating a vasectomy is that it's not as bad as you think, plus you get a week of putting uh, putting your feet up. Uh, thanks. That's Grant. Um, you know what? I am. Um, I've never had an operation on my toe, uh, but uh, playing football once, I got into a bit of a running battle with a guy I was playing against, which Pete, you won't be surprised no. to hear. And uh, no Is joke, it a battle when you can't catch them. <laughs> I probably booted him a couple of times. But no, seriously though, um, at one point, um, I was marking him for a goal kick, mm. standing behind him, of course, and um, I was jostling, <clears throat> and he just turned around just stamped on my toe mm. with his stud of his football boot mm. so bad that I had to go off um, got home it was completely black yeah. and it eventually fell off the toenail, toenail. and then regrew uh, again it's awful man it's so painful gross it's well, really painful I'm not being funny that was a very accurate presumably un, uh, unnoticed by the referee oh yeah yeah, yeah. 100% yeah I wouldn't have complained <laughs> either a murder yeah. <laughs> a wall of silence from me I'm like uh, I'm like um Ecto Salamanca in Breaking Bad. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather shit myself than talk to the feds. <laughs> oh, fantastic stuff! Do you um, want another email before you do your yeah, main card? All right, here we yes, go. Yes, please. Oh, oh, by the way, we've had a lot of um, fullback. The fullback, sorry, a lot of comeback on <clears throat> the stickerphobia. Okay, so remember the stickerphobia? Yeah, people sort of um, are other people stickerphobic. Yeah, people are getting in touch. There's a few people emailed in, um, and I picked up this one because I thought it sort of moved the conversation on a little bit. So mm. this is from Adam. He says, "Hi guys, just listening to episode one five four with the guy who has a phobia of stickers. 
and asking if anybody else has the same fears. Well, I'm getting married later this year and my fiance also shares this phobia. I'm not sure of her reasoning for the fear, but I know she hates them and her job as a primary school teacher is made just that bit harder because of it. Her poor class is banned from having them as far as I'm aware. Right. Like stickers, obviously. I would suggest that the chap in episode 154 and my future wife are a little bit strange for fearing these things. However, I myself have a bit of a phobia of something almost as strange. Glitter. Oh. I don't think that's Gary Glitter, which would be perfectly <laughs> Um Yeah, read, read on before you He uh, says, I think this is a bit back. more reasonable as glitter is horrible little stuff that sticks to you without the need of adhesive. It is near on impossible to clean up. Mm. It gets under your nails and can probably be breathed in unnoticed. I need to get stuck in your lungs for years. Oh. Okay, that last one might not be true, but who knows. Till next time, Adam. So it's, I don't. I don't think it's right to, to talk about it as strange or odd. Or human beings are are, are very very complicated things, mm. and these things can be irrational, but it doesn't mean they're any less legitimate. And if you're phobic of glitter or phobic of stickers or what, phobic of stickers or whatever, I think that's just part of the spice of life. Isn't Imagine it? if you coughed up like twenty years later a big flammy ball of uh, sparkly glitter. Yeah, that would make it a lot more palatable. <laughs> I, I feel like. Um, I feel like there was a story recently of a dog, because you know dogs will just eat anything. Right. Um, my my um, father-in-law's <laughs> dog ate a whole, I think he ate, no, he ate a whole, a whole block of butter. Nice. Right? And there was a girl I used to work with whose dog ate like 40 eggs, raw eggs with the <laughs> shells and everything. But anyway, there was a dog, I'm sure, that um, got stuck And then stuck he went in, down the gym. Got stuck into a whole tube of glitter. Because I don't know if I told you this actually, I'm all over the place today, but... Um, the same dog, Aspen, mm. is a rescue dog. He's wicked. Mm. He's a big old unit. And he and he got so excited playing with uh, a sock that he ate the sock. And we were like, oh, God, it's going to get caught in his intestine or whatever. Um, um, hopefully, he's going to be okay. And we we're keeping an eye on him for his wheezing and all that kind of stuff. Mm. About 10 o'clock that night, took him out Shut for a walk, out. shut the sock out. Fantastic. Yeah. But anyway. Did it have a poo in it? Oh, yeah. I'd like... <laughs> There was all around it. All right. There was a dog who ate a whole lot of glitter and his and his poos come out like glittery. How much how much how much to put that sock on? Do not try it. <laughs> do not try eating a lot of glitter. Do do it. it. <laughs> do do it, Pete. Do do it. It would work. I reckon yeah. it would. Yeah, it's got to come out, hasn't it? Yeah. You can't your body can't process glitter. Imagine if you started taking on a wonderful glittery um um tone to your skin. You yeah, you just, just started trying. You started like, looking like Terry um, beard. Yeah. Or you started <laughs> looking like who's uh, who's the big blue fella out of um, the Watchmen? Mr. Oh. Mr. Universe. I can't Do- remember his name not now. Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan, Same, yeah. yeah. Well, also the guy in um, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy played by your mate, um, Batista. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Is it Kratos or something? No, mm. it's guy of God of War. Uh, Spitting of glittery beards. Um, the Card of Giant, Luke. Do you right. want to check out the Card of Giant? Sure, sounds interesting. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. Oh, my goodness What's me. What's that? What is it? Is it so basically, it was one of the most famous hoaxes in American history. It was a 10-foot-tall uh, petrified man. It was uncovered in uh, 1869 by workers digging a well behind the barn of a man called uh, William C. Stubborn Newell. Right. Um, and basically, uh, it, it was... like the guy from Pompeii who was caught having a tug. <laughs> yes, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's coming. Yes. Yeah. Think of the sexiest thing you can. <laughs> wow. He probably wasn't having a tug, though, was he? He's in the position where he is. Yeah, but yeah. it's yeah, that's, that's unfortunate, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, the giant was the creation of a New York tobacconist named George Hull. He was an atheist and he tried to uh, create the giant after an argument at a Methodist revival meeting about Genesis 6.4, right. uh, which stated that there were giants who lived once on the earth. Um, How so, big is this sculpture? Oh, it's, it's not a sculpture. I think, oh, it's, I think it's, well, it's 10 foot tall, so it's a giant, so it's a, so it's a, basically a giant representation it of looks, man. You know, it looks a bit like um, the, that other race in the film Prometheus. 
Yeah, very it? smooth. Yeah, very big. ribby, very yeah. ribby. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, uh, Hull decided to hire men to quarry out a big block of uh, gypsum in Fort Dodge in Iowa, telling them it was intended for a monument to Abraham Lincoln right. in New York. Right. Uh, he then shipped the block to Chicago, where he hired a German stonecutter to carve it into the likeness of a man and swore him to secrecy. Oh. Various stains and acid were made to make the giant appear to be old and weathered, uh, and the giant surface was beaten with um, steel knitting needles embedded in a board to simulate paws, which is wonderful. Okay. During uh, November 1868, Hull transported the giant by railroad to the farm of his cousin, William Newell. Uh, by then, he had uh, spent nearly $2,500 for the hoax, which is nearly about $50,000 now, just for inflation. They dug a well, or hired a man to dig a well anyway, and they found the giant in 1869. I declare, some old Indian has been buried here, said the men. Some old Indian. Some old Indian. Right. Uh, Newell set up a tent over the giant and charged 25 cents to people who wanted to see it. Uh, two days uh, later, he increased the place, price to uh, 50 cents. He's not going to make that money back, though. No. I don't care how long it's there. People came by the wagon load. Archeo- archaeological scholars pronounced, pronounced the giant a fake, and some geologists even noticed that there was no good reason to try and dig a well in the exact spot the giant had been fouled. Found. Um, yeah, it was Yale paleontologist uh, uh, Othniel C. Marshall termed a most decided humbug, uh, and some theologians and preachers uh, defended its authenticity. He uh, sold his part interest in the giant uh, for $23,000 back in the day, equivalent to half a million. Wow. To a syndicate of five men headed by David Hannum. They moved it to New York for exhibition, uh, and obviously it was just a a lot of shit. Uh, um, (laughs) Didn't P.T. Barnum get involved? Say again? P.T. Barnum got involved. Yes, he did. The famous um, famous guy. Uh, As the newspapers reported Barnum's version of the story, David Hannum uh, was quoted by saying, there's a sucker born every minute. And uh, so Hannum uh, sued Barnum for calling his giant a fake, but the judge told him to get his giant to swear on his own genuineness in court if he wanted a favourable injunction. Difficult one. So a difficult one because the guy's yeah. dead and full of stone, I guess. But this guy is like, uh, he's a bit of a legend around certain parts. But um, yeah. I've he, never heard of that before. Of like, he's just, but I mean, more than anything else, Giant's got a big old wanger, hasn't he? He has, yeah. He's got a lovely old uh, on the slack. There was a great sort of uh, period of time, mostly Victorian, where all this stuff was going on. Oh, there's there's a firm. Well, it's not that firm, isn't it? Certainly is in Hartlepool. One of the most, in the Great Art Museum, um, which has moved a couple of times since I went there or when I used to go back in the day uh, the Great Art Museum um, used to be on sort of Marina Way next to the Hartlepool United football ground yeah um, there used to be a mermaid so it was like a skeleton of a of a woman and a uh, and a skeleton of a fish mm. uh, and that was the only thing I can really remember from like the Hartlepool Museum there was a, like a, a hokey little mermaid sort of skeleton kind of mix you do th- th- wonder where the, those bones came from though yeah of the human not the fish people, I think people in that sort of era were kind My of destiny they kind of knew enough about the world to sort of get involved and, mm. and do stuff and build things and that kind of stuff but not quite enough to know what was possible and what wasn't possible but that's yeah, what it yeah, feels yeah. like so you get a lot of this stuff they believe a lot of a lot of things like mermaids mm. and, and Bigfoot and all that kind of stuff seem to happen around that kind of time mm. would you yeah. donate your body to um, nonsense <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, to, to be honest, I'd give my thigh bones to um, the drummer of Slipknot. Yeah, that'd be really spooky, wouldn't it? Your Ooh. thigh bones are quite brittle already, though. <laughs> They'd shatter immediately. Yeah, <laughs> I think once you you're dead, you're dead, aren't you? So it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't get. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had to bring up Louis C.K. because he's obviously had his trumbles. Um, yeah. But he's, he's sort, of sort of saying you can do what you once I'm dead. You, you can do what you like with my. I body. think I was I was literally going to say to you. To me, it just comes no, down to whatever my it. family wants. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll be gone. Yeah, no, I'd, no, it's not down to them. It's still, still my property. 
I don't think you want to be around to argue the toss, mate. Yeah. What, uh, Turn uh, me you, into horrible did, glitter. Did you say Nick Knowles earlier? Felt Where's like you, that come about from? This, but it felt like you said no, Nick Knowles. Nick okay. Knowles. Uh, right. No, Dick Knowles out of Slipknot. Has, oh, uh, okay, right. I thought you said Nick Knowles. <laughs> Dick Knowles out of Slipknot has uh, left and he's. Uh, I think he's suing the band. Oh, yeah, you Nick... don't like to see uh, the, the Slipknot members uh, going into court, do you? Without I, masks. I heard because I had a funny story about Nick Knowles <laughs> the other day and it was that um, they were playing as a charity cricket match <laughs> and uh, he wasn't very good. And so someone that, who what, is good at cricket Obviously not me, I wasn't involved at mm. all. Was it Graham Gooch? Um, <laughs> yeah, in the Groucho. Um, Gucho. They renamed it the Gucho. Um, offered him some advice about how he could play better. Mm. And he got so pissed off, he, he left the game. Brilliant. Yeah. Nick, no, the, the, there's a certain class of presenter like Nick Knowles that will presumably die out at some point, but uh, not quite yet. Well, it's, it's kind of rich pickings. It's kind of the science type, type of stuff that like, like golden era Alan Partridge taps mm. into. The reason that's such a good character is because obviously we've all got a bit of Alan in us, but that that presenter class are very much like I mean I've I've witnessed kind of behaviour from presenters before, and then mm. mostly old older men to be fair, yeah. And it's just like that is pure partridge. However, he found that however he observed that in the first instance to get that character is absolutely brilliant. But also, like I think they they are good presenters because they are so arrogant they think that everything they think is important and has to be um, said I, I realise um, but they, the, but they irony, have to be the like irony that. of me sitting in a room doing the exact no, but they have thing. to be like that but they have yeah. to be like that to, to, they're good presenters because they can keep things going so it's like Keezy you know we, but Pete, it's no different to the idea that um, you know the great Ray Wilkins who you know, passed away a year today, a year ago today said where he said you have to be a kind of Jekyll and Hyde character mm. he said when you're on the pitch you've mm. got to be as nasty and as competitive as they come and you've got to want to win you've got to be really you really want to win but when you come off the pitch, you should be the nicest person in the world. Mm. And the amount of time, I worked with Ray a few times, the amount of times people would say, um, you know, stuff about, you know, who are you? Who are you? And he'd always say, I'm nothing. Don't worry about me. I'm nobody. Mm. But I'm just giving you my opinion. But on the mm. pitch, he was a fierce competitor. It's the same with a presenter like that. On camera, mm. they should be assertive. They should be confident. They should be um, authoritative. But off camera, they should be as normal as you, as you and I try and be. And I've been in situations before in studios where presenters have like openly like shoulder barged me out the way in a sort of this is my territory kind of thing, you're only a guest here, to the point where it's just quite embarrassing. It's mm. embarrassing. And that's what they get into trouble saying stupid things and, and being pervs and that kind of stuff because they've got no limit on that. On that. They, don't, they don't check their own behaviour. Mm. And Richard Keyes, you're right, he's a brilliant presenter. He's so good. And, and he used to do all that golden age of Sky Sports stuff without an auto cue. The problem is, he's a complete prick. And, that, and, and you know, he, he's not able to make the transition between being a normal, nice person. The, the, the thing that always um, sees presenters off, in my opinion, is the point is at the point where you think you're more important than um, the content Quite. that you're introducing. You're, linking, you're just linking things together. You're linking yeah. stories together. You're linking bits together. And the day that you think your, your opinion matters more than any of that... And the reason why you came, nobody watches Sky for Richard, nobody watched Sky for Richard Keys. Nobody now watches Sky for, you know, the post-match analysis. They watch it for the the the, the football. Yeah. They watch it. And for when the I interviewed David Jones, he's a Sky Sports guy now. That's the first thing he said to me. Mm. I know that. Mark Chapman's the same. Brilliant. He said the mm. first. I understand people. Are like, I'm not here for this. I, I'm not. I think we agreed that he was the grouting in the tiles. <laughs> but, and then that's why, really, you should still listen to this show because um, it is, you know, largely rubbish. But we are nice people out of the studio. You are a nice person outside the studio, mm. and so stick with us. Yeah. Anyway, Pete, we're, we're probably... I can't see how much time we've been recording for. I think, you, I, th I think we've done a longer show than usual, which is quite yeah, nice. Because I can't see the time, because you won't yeah, let exactly. me see it, so I can't move it on. So what have we learned? 
Don't to... let Luke see the time. You get a longer show. <laughs> <laughs> Hello at LukeandPeachShow.com to get in touch. At Luke and Pete Show on uh, Twitter. We had some new batteries last week, by the way. A new player oh. entered the game. We'll be back on Monday. Have a lovely weekend. That's uh, addressed to you, Pete, as well as our listeners. And we'll speak to you soon. I can feel it tugging on me. You are all over the place. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.